Welcome back. And if it is your second hour of sex with me, thank you so much for staying with the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse and a sex educator. My blog, backtothebedroom-blog.ca, where I write all about vaginal health, sexual desire, men's health. I've just written one on erectile dysfunction, how to put the fun back in sexual dysfunction. So go to my blog and have a read of that. There's a new uh, treatment modality that is a conservative measure, non-medicinal, no side effects. So go ahead and have a look at that information. If you are having trouble with things looking up. Anyway, things are looking up here because I have Dave of Dave.ca Communications joining me on the line. Hello, Dave. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing really well. Fantastic. So, Dave, we're going to talk about a yawner, uh, <laughs> and it's not the orgasm. It's uh, the bragging about your relationship on social media. People brag about everything on social media. They are constantly updating their profile pictures Every single day. I really don't know how people get themselves looking so great (laughs) every single day. That's the problem with social media is is it's not necessarily a true window into the world of uh, the individuals. Right? It's rather it's a stylized, it's a very curated, very hand-picked, glossed over version of oneself. And and what's interesting is there's a, a, a new study. That's published in a in a in a, um, a periodical called the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin, which basically says that when people are bragging, perhaps, or highlighting their personal relationship uh, more than than, than uh, perhaps they should, this could actually be a, a a tip of the iceberg sort of moment. And the fact that there's probably problems in that person's uh, real relationship. So. What this study did, and it was carried out by the Northwestern University, it surveyed 108 couples in universities throughout Canada um, that listed their Facebook status as in a relationship. And they asked them to keep a journal and write down the thoughts about how they felt on a given day and given times. They then used that data along with what was being posted on social media, and they found that when people were uh, journaling about low self-esteem or perhaps potential issues in their relationship, that was when they hyped up the relationship on social media. So it's almost like, you know, hopefully a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I tell everyone how great my relationship is on social media, it'll become real. Because as they say, it's not real until it's on Facebook. So <laughs> that's what this study seems to be saying is that uh, people might be blowing smoke a little bit when uh, when they're talking about the relationships online. So it aligns with everything else, that they all eat fabulous foods and are dining at the best restaurants and practically live in hotels, of course, five-star hotels, and everything is luxury. I, of course, posted on Facebook. I'm not sure if you saw it, Dave, but I got tremendous reaction from it. I post nothing personal on Facebook, by the way. I don't even have a personal Facebook page. So there's nothing out there. Everybody can just imagine what my life is like. But I do post information, health, and educational things. So I I posted a device that actually looks like a wine aeration device, and it's, um, it's called Go Girl. And it is a product for women to urinate outside, basically. It's hot pink. It's it's about four or five inches long. And I got like, you know, in a day, I got like 63 likes and 50 comments on it. You know, this is something people are interested in. Well, well what I think is really apropos, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> you have 
the number of shares you have is very apropos. You have 69 shares. 69. Perfect number. I I (laughs) I like it. I actually commented on this uh, earlier in the day. Oh, did you? And Mother's Day is just a few weeks away. (laughs) Oh, that's true. I did see that. You're right. (laughs) No, I don't think they should get this for Mother's Day. I think guys should buy... Uh, a womanizer, a clitoral suckling device for women, for Mother's Day, and you will rock your your the mom in your world or the lover. Hopefully, you will uh, rock her world with a womanizer, the clitoral suckling device, not the go girl. I was going to say either of those would be weird for me to give to my mom. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I've told you before. My mom's name is Maureen as well, so it's always <laughs> weird to speak with you uh, on all I'm these not things. Your mother. But, but, but with regards social media and and relationships is exactly that. A lot of people will hype up what they're doing. Now, what you're doing with your social media, of course, is um, widening in your brand, right? So your brand is the, you know, the sexpert and all of that. So you're doing that very, very well. But what a lot of people want to do is be able to have their brand be, you know, I'm the most awesome person in the world. Everything is great. Uh, There's no issues. I'm a great cook and all this. And in many cases, people will identify uh, you know how some people identify with their work. Other people identify through their relationships, and social media is a way to highlight and showcase that. But this study is saying that if someone's being a little too lovey-dovey online, especially as, as well, if the person's talking about it and there's really no evidence to back it up, like photos and that sort of thing, then maybe the person is making a, a bit of a desperate attempt to uh, have a self-fulfilling prophecy of having this great relationship. And and I think that translates over to every other aspect of people's lives, as I mentioned. Yeah. Like, they eat the best foods in the finest restaurants. Or everything is perfect about their clothing, about their hair, about their makeup. I just think, oh, my gosh. And then they're doing it to all these Facebook friends that they don't even know. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think also it sets people up for addiction to social media and Facebook. You know, a lot of people have the perception that I'm on social media all the time, and I'm actually not. I'll give a little secret. I three times a day, <laughs> and yeah. that's it. Morning, after lunch, and in the evening. And and that's it. And I take about five minutes each time. And the perception out there is, oh, my gosh, you are on social media all over. But I'm not. I just do it all at once. Yeah, and that's the thing I have, again, being the quote-unquote social media specialist or expert, people say, oh, you must be on there all the time, and I I have a very similar schedule, and I'll also peruse headlines, like if I'm in a lineup uh, somewhere and I see something I like, I might send it out on social media, and so it doesn't take as much time, it actually takes more effort when you're kind of uh, bragging or, or maybe even lying about how amazing your life is. Exactly. That takes effort. Absolutely. And Photoshop, hello. Like, even if, like, you know, maybe once a year I update my profile picture and, you know, (laughs) you get, like, 200 likes and then I just write, thank you, everyone. Photoshop, you know, are you kidding? I don't look like that (laughs) Um, on on a good day. Anyway, but, uh, well, anyhow, I'm I'm a little... uh, a bit of it, I find Facebook a bit of a yawner in a way when, because it's boring, it's getting to everyone is just showing us their perfect lives and their, even writing about imperfect lives and the photo was perfect. Anyway, it's boring in, in my estimation. I like the truth. I like problems. I like to deal with them. I like to see what's gone wrong and how people overcame those. Anyway, Otherwise, uh, that's that's a bit of a snoozer. But what is not a snoozer is experiencing orgasm. So I'm going to ask you to hang on just at the plateau, Dave, before we... 
experience orgasm, I might have to go through the female sexual response cycle first. But I'm just going to put it put it out there right now. I do have a little lady. Speaking of, you know, Mother's Day for the woman in your life, perhaps that you're in love with. This is not for you, Dave. Anyway, I have a little lady love basket for a listener out there, and it contains my favorite steel balls, and I'll tell you what to do with those, and also a lipstick vibrator, which I think every woman needs in her handbag. You never know when a little relaxation is needed, and then I threw in the black fur handcuffs, because that is the number one fantasy for all women to be lightly tied up. So when I come back, if you want to give me a call and talk to me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell, uh, you can win this. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. will climax when I get back. Well, if that isn't the most perfect song, given the subject we just covered, fakeness on Facebook. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I never know who's listening, and even if people are listening, until I then give out a generally a sex toy prize, and uh, the phone boards light up. And I have uh, Thomas on the line, who's the lucky Winner, 17th caller or something. Hello, Thomas. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. Excellent. So did you call to win my lady love? I did, yes. Fantastic. <laughs> so there's a lady in your life? There is, yes. Oh, good. Now, do you know what to do with the silver balls? Have you heard me talk about those before? <laughs> no. I'm, uh, I'm very curious. Are you? Okay, I think it's educational, so that's why I feel I should share it with you. <laughs> this is a fate. You know how I don't know what your life is like, but a lot of people at the end of the day, they've worked in and outside of the home. They're exhausted. They're tired. He wants to have sex. She doesn't. <laughs> is that a familiar scene? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> but there's uh, a <laughs> smart man. Uh, so this is a little sex mischief game. And it'll help to increase arousal. And so I always love to educate. And the female sexual response cycle, there's also a male sexual response cycle. And the linear model is quite similar for both. And it starts with desire and arousal. You don't necessarily have to have desire. And, and really, desire is a response to arousal. But so if we think of that arousal and then you're involved and, and thinking about your partner and getting excited and lubricated and, and genitally engorged and then... Uh, it's all exciting and you're lubricated, the woman, and then you reach plateau and then orgasm and then resolution. So a lot of women are just so tired. They might just sneak up to the upstairs bed, you know, up to the master bedroom and go to sleep, play dead. (laughs) They're so exhausted. But this little game, (laughs) this little game makes it so much fun. And so you got to empty the dishwasher. You've got to do some household chore. Uh, participate because that also is associated with increased sexual satisfaction for women. So she takes her silver balls because they're for her, runs them under warm or cold water, whatever sensation that she likes, and inserts them into her vagina and then sexts you on the way upstairs, goes up to brush her teeth. It'll help to actually get her aroused. Uh, And then she will have that responsive desire, most likely. And then the two of you can sext back and forth and then get into bed and then it can be a little bit of a scavenger hunt and make it playful (laughs) and (laughs) you're laughing (laughs) anyway uh good luck with it (laughs) okay so and you know what to do with cuffs and a personal lipstick vibrator (laughs) but uh, if you want to leave so thanks so much for your call if there's anything else you uh did you have any other questions (laughs) no i think i'm gonna just stick with the info you gave me (laughs) excellent well what's that a lot to digest. <laughs> You're a good man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for the call, Thomas. 
Okay, always the taking the opportunity to increase your knowledge around sex. Hopefully you appreciate it too. Dave.ca, who's um, D-A-V-E-D-O-T-C-A. No, kidding. Dave, you still there? Oh, Dave. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. There you are, Dave. Okay, um, so thanks for hanging on the line. And, and I felt I had to give you that education as well before we go to orgasm. Perfect. Now, one time I was on a TV show, Louise Uwaku of UNI TV on Shaw TV. Do you know her? No, I don't. Oh, my God. She's hilarious. Anyway, she is so funny. And she, uh, we, we actually filmed it or whatever. She interviewed me. And when I left, the producers, you know, the top brass at Shaw said, we're not sure we're going to be able to air that. <laughs> we didn't realize just how much sex talk there was going to be in there. Anyway, so I... Um, um, so anyway, she asked me during that interview to explain what an orgasm feels like. <laughs> it's not easy to explain it unless you want to, Dave, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, please, okay. it's your show, I didn't, be rude of me. <laughs> I'm going to refer everybody to Meg Ryan's, uh, When Harry Met yeah. Sally for that. But anyway, apparently this website, oh my God, yeah, OMG, yes, was born out of the fact that women don't even understand what an orgasm feels like. Yeah, this, this is a fascinating website. It's a subscription-based website. So it never used to be. When it first was on, it was free. It was I was free, able to now, watch it, yes. But now they're trying to figure out how to monetize it. That's what we all do in the big uh, internet game here, Like so. everything else. I'm not trying to do that. All of my information is free. Yep. <laughs> if you want to learn how to orgasm, email me, sextalk at cknw.com. <laughs> I will help is, you. This is the next level of how to orgasm. And this is it's actually fascinating technology. It's, it's not an app because the Apple iTunes store wouldn't allow such sexual content in their store. So what this is, it's web-based. And what they've done is, just give you some of the background. So this is a website, omgyes.com. And what they've done is they've done about 1,000 interviews with women between the ages of, get this, 18 to 95. I saw that. Thank you very much, which women. I thought, you know, that, to me, that just seemed like an incredible age range. Which is their Seniors are having age. sex. Yeah, they're, well, they're trying to make their site very inclusive, and that's what they've done. So they've conducted about 1,000 inter- different interviews, and what they've done with their site, it's almost like a television series. So they have season one. So there's about 12 episodes in season one, and there's different techniques on how females can reach orgasm. Now, here's what's fascinating about this, is if you were to watch this on a touch screen, be it uh, a laptop, a desktop, or your iPad, you, it's actually interactive. And it tells you if you are touching the right place, if you're using the right pressure, if, that, all kinds of things. And uh, so it's, it's almost a gamification of orgasm. And you can practice and practice and practice and then do it properly in real life. So it's, it's about $39 for the life of it. So they, they claim that it's $39 a season and you can just watch all the episodes or practice all the episodes on and on. And just to be clear, it's, it's not only just for women. Of course, women can learn about their own bodies. But what can also happen is a woman can, a woman can give this to uh, her lover and perhaps uh, he or she can also have uh, a bit of experience. So it's a, it's a different way of educating each other on what you like and, and, and different techniques. So Absolutely. I had a patient. Yes.com. Yeah, I had a patient, and I, I often get this. It's not uncommon. Women will come in and they'll say, my husband or my boyfriend, you know, I've never experienced orgasm, they'll say. And then they'll say, and my husband or boyfriend is determined 
to have me experience orgasm. And then I say, well, are you determined to experience orgasm? Because it it almost, it's not really about him giving you an orgasm. That's one of the myths out there. Uh, and also being vulnerable for women is really important. And, you know, that resonates with a lot of women. And they may be nervous that the guy, one particular woman was nervous that the guy she was with was cheating on her. Another one was concerned about, had issues around their relationship. Um, you know, another had unresolved conflict. And all of that will impact the ability for a woman to experience orgasm. Yep. So it's important that she wants to as well. And being mindful and thinking about genital your genitalia during that, actually understanding your genitalia, learning the vulva from the vagina, learning the clitoris from the labia, you know, learning the your lady bits parts is really important. And communicating that, as you say, to your partner is important as well. Yeah, and I think this website can be sort of that, that bridge over the communication gap, right? So uh, it's great even to, even for yourself. If, if one doesn't know uh, her own body, this website purports that it will give you uh, greater insight. And because, as we talked about at the beginning of the, of the segment here, the age range, so it would be able to to deal with uh, all, all, all sorts of challenges and all sorts of pleasures of women 18 to 95. So you know, women go 25, 30 years, they've never experienced an orgasm. I, I see it quite frequently in my clinical oh. practice. So this may be another tool to help. So I, I think it's $29 for the... Uh, so if you want to pay $30 for an orgasm... <laughs> Could be the that's twenty nine dollars US, so it's about thirty nine. Oh, okay. Canadian. Okay. In all all honesty, it's forty dollars for twelve episodes that you can have access to all the time. So even if you decide to go through a few lovers in your lifetime, you could always use this membership to have he or she uh, get better techniques. Because as I explained to women, that only that seventy percent of women require clitoral stimulation in order to experience orgasm. Only about thirty percent experience orgasm with penetrative sex, and a woman may be able to experience orgasm if she's having sex with a man. Um, a lot of women experience orgasms when they are with other women. But if you're having sex with a man, you may be able to have a an internal or G-spot or penetrative sex orgasm with Johnny, but not with Bob. So... Um, so you, it, it really, the anatomy does matter as well, the vulnerability, the comfort, the trust, what you're, what's going on in your life, uh, all of those issues, your, your heart health, everything. Like the, it is such a uh, coming together of musical instruments orchestrated in a way that only a woman who's experienced orgasm can understand. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what that meant, but uh, yeah, so, but... It is. There's nothing like it, and it's the exclusive reason for the clitoris. So 8,000 nerves in that little baby, which will help uh, women. So anyway, Dave, always a pleasure. And uh, how do people get in touch with you? Hey, if you have any questions about this segment or anything else <laughs> social media-wise, uh, give me, give me uh, an email, dave at dave.ca, or hit me up on uh, Twitter, dave.ca. He is now the social media orgasm expert. Thanks so much, go. Dave. All right. My, my pleasure. <laughs> No, it, the pleasure is mine. Thanks so much. All right. When I come back, sex dreams, porn, and uh, lots of other sex subjects, and your emails. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Uh, coming into the uh, home run here, or the. Uh, anyway, sex dreams. Have you ever had. 
sex dreams, dreamed about your neighbor and wondered what that means, having sex with an acquaintance or your boss or trying to find private space with a partner. Apparently, according to Susan Block, Dr. Susan Block from the Institute for the Erotic Arts and Sciences, dreams are a way for your subconscious to unpack everything that's affecting your life and often dreams about sex aren't literal. Phew. Uh, so having sex with an acquaintance, it doesn't necessarily mean you want to cheat on your significant other or have sex with the guy that lives next door <laughs> or, or woman, if you're a man or whatever, whoever, somebody next door. Anyway, you know what I mean. I'm all inclusive. Uh, so <laughs> it just means you may admire that person and wish that you possessed some of their qualities. Well, you actually haven't seen my neighbor, so I don't believe that one. Anyway, getting it on with your boss. This is perhaps why I work for myself. Um, this dream just means you want to get closer to your boss, but not in that way. Maybe you want to be your boss's favorite. Uh, you might feel you're distant from your boss's management style, for example, and you want to get a line better. Uh, dreams of having problems finding a place to have sex. Have you ever had that dream? You're just like running all over and you're trying to and trying to. It can actually indicate a disconnection between you and your partner in your day-to-day -day life. So you may want to get on that and schedule some sex. How exciting is that? Uh, also, how about having sex in public? Have you ever just like had a dream that you had sex on the beach, not the drink, the sex, <laughs> or somewhere, maybe on stage somewhere, uh, so it could mean that a critical comment about your partner from a trusted person in sparked this embarrassing dream. I told you about my flying dream. I don't know what that means, but flying in a dream is closely connected to orgasm. Hello. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Anyway, I'm glad to find that out. Uh, but it also could be indicative of frustrations regarding the current state of your own sex life. Couldn't be. Uh, so anyway, it could be that your mind is playing games, uh, on you as well. You could be dreaming about having sex with a movie star who hasn't had that one. And you might be awake for that one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> dreams are slightly different than fantasy. You can also think about somebody else while you're having sex with yourself or with somebody else. You don't have to have sex with the guy who's in the room. If you're a woman or if you're a guy who has sex with guys or whatever, um, also, how about that scary one when you're dreaming about sex with an ex? And what does that mean? It might just actually mean that your brain is sifting through to uh, through its mental hard drive, if you will. Maybe a, a particular anniversary is coming up, or you may have seen a, a, a tweet or something on Facebook that was posted, or maybe that person has sent you a message. Um, who knows? You never know. But anyway, apparently it's some one way to look at how your life is going and it may represent what's happening in your life. And they're ne not necessarily, which is a shame, they're not necessarily about sex, literally. So they may symbolize problems, desires, hopes in all different facets of your life. So uh, just keep that in mind. I just thought that was interesting, especially if you're having some trouble in the traditional ways of dealing with your issues are not working for you. Anyway, so uh, moving right along, as I said earlier, you never know if anyone's listening to you or not. 
Um, and then you get an email <laughs> uh, and you think, wow. And I love this email, I have to say, this one in particular. And it was, hi, as an 82-year-old male listener, I feel I should write to you. Read the Sunday night, read Sunday night sex show, April 20th. I was explaining to my not too interested 20-year live-in partner about the merits of pubic hair. However, as I was taking a shower, I noticed we guys have that fluff, yet very few of the reasons you gave for the good things it does for the well-being seem not to apply to us. I want to answer that question first and give you just a little hope, my friend. The pubic hair, of course, is also a, a cushion as well. For you, it can also ward off viruses and it can help to shed some of the viruses and and prevent uh, skin bacteria from getting in. It also prevents friction because if that area is bare, you're more likely to have your clothing rub against it. The other thing and probably the most important aspect is there are hair follicles at the base of all of pubic hair, which only grows a very short amount and it has regrowth every three weeks. So that sensation Um, of the hair follicle actually will help to increase your sexual satisfaction. Yes, even at 82. No, this does not discriminate. So keeping pubic hair for men is just just as important as well, especially if your lover may want to blow uh, through the pubic hair. That can give you increased sexual sensation or rubbing that area as well can help with that. So I say keep it there. No reason to go bare. So Pubic hair does apply to men as well, so enjoy your shower tomorrow. Uh, You went on to say you you should point out, and you write, I should point out the reason I hooked up to your show was the first time I tuned in and you gave the 10 reasons men don't understand the changes in women that may impact the sex life in a marriage. I sat back in the chair after, and it helped me, gave me clues as to why my first wife backed out of the 17-year marriage in such silent, unfair manner. However, to love is to give, give until it hurts. There are no guarantees, but recovery takes a long time until we are considered fit to re-enter the game, and so much of life is sadly lost. I see you going a long way in your work. You clearly have a lot of love and interest in what you do, much like I once was, that makes a person unstoppable. If I can give you a tip, rewrite the program that got me hooked on you. There are a lot of people at a loss to understand what goes on in their sex life within their marriage these days. I love that email Um, because it's not that I'm looking for affirmation or validation because I see it in my clinical practice so often that sexual experiences between a couple can be very limited or... Men are always getting, feeling they're getting shut down because women or the partners in their lives don't make advances, or if they make advances, if they're left to make all the advances, they're feeling rejected because their wife often has low sexual desire. But it's not limited to women. Low sexual desire can impact men as well. And recently I was doing a rehearsal for my TEDx talk, which is called The Sexless Marriage. It's on May 28th at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And uh, I'm very excited about 
this talk. It's called The Sexless Marriage. And when I was doing the rehearsal, of course, my voice does travel. I know that. And it traveled through the walls. And about halfway through or three-quarters of the way through, a gentleman came in and he sat down. And when I finished my talk, I, as I was leaving, he was sitting at a computer and he said to me, hey, um, by the way, that was a great talk. And I said, oh, thank you so much. What role do you play with TEDx people of Stanley Park? And he said, no, I'm not involved. He said, I, was, I work with another company, but I was just here working. And he said, I heard you speaking through the walls. And he said, I just thought it was interesting. He said, you see, I'm the one with low sexual desire. And he said, um, in fact, my relationship has broken up about a week ago for the second time in a year. And he said, I think it's final this time. And he said, but, you know, we had unresolved conflict. And I and I really think, and I, I asked him a couple of questions, of course. I started, of course, with the assessment. I mean, I really need to get on with my day. But as our my fine emailer said, I'm unstoppable. Uh, so we talked quite a bit. And, um, and he told me that she was over-controlling and hypercritical and he just couldn't take it anymore. And uh, he was the one who was always making sexual advances initially with her and she was rejecting him because things weren't always perfect. Things weren't always to her standard and that really impacted their sex life. And so you never know who you're impacting when you are trying to educate people. Anyway, when I come back, sugar daddies, sugar babies, and another email. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, registered nurse, sex educator, blogger, researcher, clinician. You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898. On yourself, if you have any questions... Or if you are a sugar daddy, because I might be looking for one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it's not a bad deal. Vancouver <laughs> apparently finally arrest for me. <laughs> Vancouver is your best hunting ground, according to figures that were just released by SeekingArrangement.com. That is the dating website designed to hook women up with a willing meal ticket. Get a load of this. There's been a 71 percent increase in sugar daddy registrants. There's like 5 million members. Vancouver has 3.86 sugar daddies per thousand adult males in town. Toronto's next and then Winnipeg follows shortly thereafter. Vancouver sugar daddies, they may not be able to afford a house there, but they are the most generous in Canada, spending an average of $4,928 on their sugar babies. And that's $600 above the national average. So get this. You think of a sugar daddy as an old guy, maybe a widow, lots of money, uh, maybe deaf. No, just kidding. Um, but an old, unattractive, unappealing, and they make no bones about this, see, uh, seekingarrangement.com. It's for attractive people, okay? So whatever that means. <laughs> uh, if you think you're attractive, you have the self-confidence, then maybe you get to sign up for this. But the average sugar daddy in Canada is 38 years old with an annual income around $271,000. They're only giving 20% of their income, <laughs> 19 or 20% uh, devoted to the sugar baby. I want a raise. <laughs> I would require more than that. Uh, married men make up 31% of those counted. And that is down from 46% in 2007. I did try and get in touch with Brandon Wade, the founder and CEO. Uh, 
he actually claims to see a shift towards single men and, you know, underscoring that sugar daddies are no longer the preserve of the wealthy older guy. Um, but Brandon did not answer my in-mail on LinkedIn, but he did ask to connect with me, I think, or reviewed my profile, something like that, which is, you know, it's close. So I want to get this guy on this program so and to see what uh, what the appeal is. But apparently there's a lot of appeal for a lot of people. Uh, so what actually is a sugar daddy? Well, they're su- successful men and women who know what they want. They're driven. They like attractive company. Who doesn't <laughs> by their side? Money is no issue, and they're very generous when they support their sugar baby. And the sugar babies, of course, they're attractive as well. They're looking for the finer things in life. They appreciate exotic gifts and trips, and uh, they get to experience a luxurious lifestyle, apparently. So some of the things I know, uh, they they may get access to increase their uh, networking ability. So they're often involved with people in uh, business. And uh, so they that's one of the benefits as well. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, apparently. And people are direct with one another. They don't waste time. There is absolutely no mention of sex on this website whatsoever. So apparently, this is not about the sex. This is about relationships on your own terms. I did actually look for a sugar baby and sugar daddy, and although a lot of people liked my post, nobody came forward, surprisingly enough, because confidentiality, of course, is key. So it's interesting. It's only getting worse. Is it a sign of the times? I'm not sure. But anyway, if it's something you would like, you... Uh, might want to go to seekingarrangement.com. I want to read another email. It gives you a little um, idea into what I'm like since I never actually tell you on Facebook, so you might not know. (laughs) But maybe on this show you can figure it out. What you see is what you get. I got an email from a friend last week, and and I start out seeing, like, he's telling me about his wife's hairdressing appointment. That's because last week I said a lot of women shave their pubic hair, And, you know, I think we need to, um, the pubic hair needs to make a comeback, quite frankly. Uh, All of this bareness and shaving, you know, impacts your sexual satisfaction. So I suggested if you're afraid of, um, you know, if you're embarrassed because your pubic hair is going gray, well, why don't you ask your hairdresser for a batch for the snatch? So a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time emailed and said, so Julie was at the hairdresser yesterday, and when she got home, I asked to see her batch for the snatch. We were in her car returning home from our daughters on Sunday night and listened to you and were informed and entertained. You had two listeners in us that represent opposite sides of the knowledge spectrum. So we, we received quite an education. You have found your calling, my dear. You are Maureen all the way, and no different from your natural persona when on air in front of the listening world of strangers. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that. Um, So you never know who is listening to you, but I really appreciate it if you are listening to me. Anyway, when I come back, I'm just going to give you a quick bit about porn, and then we're going to wrap this baby up. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Maybe I'm too just too demanding. Anyway, I'm Maureen McGrath, uh, host of this show, the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for being with me tonight, but do know that it is my pleasure to be with you. 
Uh, covered a lot of subjects tonight. We have lots of subjects to cover in the coming weeks. Pornography is a big issue, and there's so much controversy around that. There are historical cycles in which the evils of pornography are loudly proclaimed uh, against uh, rigorous defenses of porn. So uh, going through the evidence takes so much time and and commitment and dedication and I've been doing just that over the past weeks and I'm I'm looking at uh, some of the evidence as to whether or not pornography is associated with a host of negative in outcomes uh, from contributing to hypersexualization of teenagers or even prepubescent children uh, to normalizing violence and abuse of women and children as well as to standing up for somebody who may be experiencing um, or maybe having a trauma of rape. Um, does pornography equate with violence towards women um, and with uh, sex and uh, pain versus pleasure? And how about sex trafficking, prostitution? Also, does pornography, because sometimes I, based on some evidence, I will prescribe pornography to men and women and they, for erectile dysfunction or to increase arousal so that there may be responsive desire. I mean, I may recommend something as light as The Affair, which is a series on network, uh, I mean Netflix, (laughs) not on the network, Netflix, um, which can be arousing, watching people having sex, and it can be comfortable for a lot of people to, um, you know, soft porn to harder core porn. So you want to actually deliver information to patients that is beneficial and helpful and all-encompassing and um, not offensive and that you're actually aware of the massive amount of uh, information that's out there. And, of course, we have had a massive increase in the availability of pornography beginning in the 1990s because of the Internet. And uh, so... And since that time, there's, you know, there have been different um, feelings about it, that it's evil. You know, it, it remains fundamentally a moral question, and it's very difficult to separate uh, good science from moral absolutism. So the research, from what I can find so far, on pornography is mixed at best, and it's, you don't want to claim like they are in Utah that it is a public health hazard, but there may be some dangers to it. There may be some benefits. That's generally the case with anything related to this. You know, some of the research studies that I have reviewed have poor designs. Many are conducted with college students, and the hypotheses were um, flimsy or um, not uh, not very rigorous, and the research was not very Rigorous. So when we have research hypotheses that are obvious, we see that Hawthorne effect. And the Hawthorne effect is that people do what you think they want you to do. It's much like when you're in a relationship, man and a woman, and the woman may ask a question of the guy and she'll say, um, you know, what do you think of this? And he'll say, what do you want me to say? He's trying to, much like Thomas, the caller, who said uh, he was going to take the fifth. So, you know, we see some of these inconsistencies in the data as a result of that and uh, also as a result of um, whitewashing some of the 
some of the declarative statements. So, and media also takes it and puts it on steroids and then delivers it in in a different way. And, and people have their own moral compass or their own ideas or religious beliefs, and that can impact their view of uh, porn as well. One Canadian study found that pornography use was associated with more egalitarian views toward women, not less. So it's really impossible impossible to make uh, absolute declarative statements about what porn does or doesn't do to the public and to my patients as well and to you, my two listeners out there, or three, Thomas was listening to. Anyway, so I've been reviewing that and reading that, and I really want to deliver something decent. So next week I've invited Alistair Moose. He is of anger, of Moose Anger Management. Great guy, because you know what, guys? When you're angry at a, at a woman or even a man if you're in a relationship – and you are angry and you're yelling at somebody or you're abusing them, you don't even think it's abuse. It might be emotional abuse or verbal abuse, and you're not even aware. They are not going to want to have sex with you, I am telling you. If you have a great day and your things are copacetic and you're getting along and it's a bit of back and forth, your chances of having sex are so much more increased, and I don't know why you don't get that. So cool your jets, <laughs> and if you don't know how, Tune in next Sunday night because Alistair Moose will be joining me then. Um, Also, as I mentioned, I'm speaking at TEDx Stanley Park at the Queen Elizabeth Theater on May 28th. There's a host of great speakers, a lot of really good speakers there. Isabel Mercier-Turcotte will be there and Dr. Gurdeep Parhar is as well an amazing speaker. So you will want to be there for that. Tickets are on TEDxStanleyPark.com. If you use the promo code Maureen, M-A-U-R-E-E-N, you can get $20 off. You can also go to my website, BackToTheBedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter, at Back2TheBedroom. See all the funky devices I post on Facebook. You can follow me there as well. Email me, sextalk at cknw.com. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.